Come on in, friends that are out there getting your coffee. It's important. It's Hebrews, after all. Thank you. Good golly, no one's listening yet. Hebrews. Hebrews. We got, they need more, they need more coffee, I think. Come on in. I'm going to um, pray, introduce myself, and we're going to get right into it. Let me, let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we are excited um, to be back. God, um, what do you have for us? I can't even wait to see. Lord, you alone um, are better. And so, Father, I pray that over the next 11 weeks that we come to know you in a deeper way, God. And I pray that we leave um, all the things that hinder us, all the focus on self and um, all those things that can be so distracting, God. Can we just leave them outside? And, and, and we just get right here in this room um, and be so very present in all of our words, our conversations, our actions, Father. Every soul in this room is here for a reason. There are no coincidences, and we praise you for that. You brought us here. Show us some cool stuff, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Is everybody here? Are we good? Are we cool? What are we studying? You guys, seriously, if we're going like, to like have the puns you know, about coffee and stuff, I'm going to need you to amp it up a little bit, okay? Bring it up a little bit. Um, I'm happy that you guys are here. I know that it's weird because the weather was all cold and dreary and it felt really good, right, to stay in your PJs and light a fire and send your people out to school and get right back in bed. Yeah? <laughs> Some of the preschool moms don't quite understand yet, but it'll happen someday. I'm going to tell you this. You chose something better over something good. You chose something better, and, and I'm so excited to get to do this with you guys and to walk down this, this awesome, crazy path that he's got planned for us. Because trust me, you know, we're here, we've only been here 15 minutes, and it's already been crazy. So it's going to be cool. It's going to be good. Um, if you've never been to a women's Bible study at Rock Point before, and I know there's a bunch of you, and also want to say there's a bunch of new people that did not do our last semester, so can I just please have a little hand for those girls? Yeah, you oldies are cool too, you're good. But I want you to look at each other right now and say, I'm glad you're here. One more time, look to the other side, I'm glad you're here. Yes. All right, now you got two new best friends, so everybody's cool, we're good. We could just, we're having fun. Here's what today is. If you've done our Bible studies before, you know, and you're going to be tempted to just zone out a little bit, but I'm going to ask you kindly to not. And to remember, the lights are up, and I can see your faces, so there's that too. This is what our day is about today. It is about, we're going to do some housekeeping. We're going to set some expectations. We're going to talk about what you guys um, have to look forward to, we have to look forward to, and then we're going to talk about some background, history of the book of Hebrews. Who knows every single thing about the book of Hebrews? Oh, good. That's perfect. So me neither. So it's going to be great. We're going to start with our background. We're going to set the stage, set the tone, and we're going to be ready to launch right into chapter one next week in your homework. So with that said, everyone in this room should have one of these super cool, super cute books. Does everyone have one? If you do not, raise your hand. Some person will come by. Okay. And then the next part of that, inside your book, you should have a piece of paper that says, welcome. And if you don't, you are not welcome. No, you are welcome here. So we're going to go over that here in just a sec. Um, two other things that you could have picked up out there. 
Um, did everybody get a Hebrews, get to know, what does it say? Get to know you better. Oh, that's, see, it's a pun. Better? It's the name of our study. Yeah, okay. So everybody should have gotten one of these. And then also, this is super cool. How about this? Did everybody pick up a little poster, the little Hebrews poster thing? Um, if you didn't, there are more out there. I think there's a couple. Okay, there's a couple out there. They're going to grab them. If you were in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, you'll remember we showed a video at the beginning, I mean, at the end of 1st, 2nd, 3rd John to kind of get you prepared for what was coming in Hebrews. And that was put on by the Bible Project, and it's on YouTube. And your leaders will text you, excuse me, your leaders will email you out that link if you want to go back and watch it. But it's this super cool, like, eight-minute video that pretty much does my job. Like, I could just totally sit down and just let it play. No, it, it does a great job of giving us the overview of what we're stepping into. And so that's what this poster is. I was going to get up here and say I, I drew it, but, but I totally did not. But I, I would have if I could have. So it's really cool, and it gives you a good overview. So take that home, color it, put it on your fridge. I don't know, do whatever. Let's do this. Let's start out by grabbing the welcome sheet out of your book, okay? The welcome sheet. Oh, oh, wait, did I go? Okay, let's do that online stuff. I'm sorry. This is how it goes, guys. Welcome to Bible study. It's a little chaotic, a little crazy. Okay, some online stuff. Yeah, I titled it. Can you tell? That was my title. Um, Those of you that are new and those of you that are maybe not new, you might want to jot this down. Every week, this part, the large group part, is recorded for some reason. (laughs) I don't know. Um, So if you do have to miss, it's kind of an awesome way to stay caught up and stay on with the same week. And so if you do have to miss, go to this uh, rpc dot, rpcwomen.podbean.com and all the lectures will be uploaded there. We're usually pretty good about getting them up later today, but for sure they're up by Thursday morning. So you can just stay right on track, move right into your homework as if you didn't miss class. Um, also, you guys, if you know me at all, you know that music is a big deal. And so over the past couple Bible studies, We've, uh, we've set up a Spotify playlist that was kind of inspiration behind preparing and studying. And so we have a really cool one, a Hebrew Spotify playlist. So if you're in Spotify, go, go search that. It's a public playlist. You can subscribe. It's kind of cool. Um, and then lastly, if you're on Facebook, we do have a Facebook group. And, and I want you to hear this. If you're not on Facebook, it's fine. It's not like any vital information goes out there. We do use that to blast information sometimes, but you will get all of the critical information via email from your small group leader or text, however you guys have decided to communicate. But it is kind of a nice way to have community, and it's community with the evening class, too. Did you know that there, did you know that there are going to be tonight 62 women in the evening coming to study the same thing? Yeah, so how cool is that, you know? So it's like when we do the Facebook thing, we get to kind of have community with those girls, too, because we are all in this together. So those are the online thingies. Oh, and uh, like I said, I'll have those small group leaders email out the uh, Hebrews Bible Project. So you can take a look at that, too. Um, so there's that. Check. Okay, the next thing we're going to do before we get into the welcome sheet, um, a couple quick things. I wanted to share some of the kiddo and baby guidelines um, Here's, here's what I know, and again, I'm not completely the person to ask, but Margot is. So the most important piece of information, if you have children in our program, is this. Get your pen out. This is critical. Margot's email. You need that. Margot is who has got the magic going on back there. Who has kids in the program? Who have, thank you. How amazing 
are those women back there helping with those kiddos, right? They don't just go back there and get babysat, guys. They are getting Jesus, just like you are. And so um, love on them, treat them with respect, and that's another reason why we will begin and end on time, because we respect their time as well. Margot's email, in case you have any changes, questions, anything, write this down. Her email is margot, M-A-R-G-O, at rpcstaff.org. Um, sometimes there's random school days in, in different, all the different districts that are represented where we're out of school and all of a sudden you have some school age kids and you're like, oh, I can't go to Bible study. You know what? Nine times out of 10, you can just send Margo an email and say, Hey, I got three extras. Can we come? And they'll usually have a place for them. So just know that, that there's always options. I know spring break sometimes falls differently. We follow the LISD schedule. If you have a spring break and all of a sudden you're swimming in kids and you want to come to Bible study and you got the shakes and you really need to come to Bible study, email Margot and see if she'll take your sweet little baby angels <clears throat> for a couple hours. Uh, policies about babies and kiddos, 24-hour fever policy. Your mom, you know this. Take their temperature. Come on. You know if they have a fever. 24 hours. Uh, we follow the LISD schedule. We love your babies. Don't bring them in the classroom. Okay. We love sweet babies. We do. But I'll tell you what, this is the beauty of this church and those wonderful people that have so graciously chosen to spend time with your kids is they will take kiddos from birth up to high school. Now, that'd be weird, though, in the same classroom, but whatever. Guys, let them, give them that opportunity and give yourself an opportunity to have two hours of time with Jesus, with fellowship. And, and if you have to, there's a nursing room. We're also going to have the audio on in the family room, I think, if you have to nurse or have to go back there and deal with your sweet baby. But let's try to keep them out of the classrooms because you know what? As beautiful and wonderful as they are, they are distracting to you, and we want this to be a full experience for you. And also there are grandmothers in this room, and they will be distracted and try to steal your babies. So I'm just it's for the best if you just don't. If you've got questions, though, please come find small group leaders, um, our RHPs, which, who am I going to introduce in just a minute, or email Margot. Don't ask me anything. I don't know anything. I just told you everything I know. With that said, you'll hear a lot of weird abbreviations around here, um, and one of them is RHP. That means right-hand person. Um, God is so good that he has grown our Bible studies to the point where if Chris tries to do everything, the whole thing falls apart. And so God said, hey, you need a right-hand person. And then God laughed at me, ha, 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 and said, no, you need three of them. <laughs> I got three right hands. So the RHPs for this class are Becky and Mary, and they're out there doing stuff right now. But if you see them, are they? Yeah, we could talk about. Um, but they are your go-to people. They have information. <clears throat> if you can't get the information you need from your small group leader, that's the first person to go to. Find Becky and Mary. I also want to tell you this because sometimes people think that they're this weird entity because I refer to them as Barry because, you know, we merge them into one human. It's pretty funny. They are also the girls that sometimes you're in your small group and some stranger comes, sits in your group, and you're like, who's that chick? Um, Becky and Mary jump in. and Oh, there's one of them. Hi. Oh, there they are. Come, let them see your faces. There they are. Mary, there's Mary, and there's Becky. And together they are? Barry. Barry. Thank you. You can call them that. They don't even care about their real names. It's fine. <laughs> they do have a new identity. But I wanted to, to, to introduce them to you because I want you to know that they're going to sit in on groups sometimes. And it was hilarious because this just like dawned on us one day. One of the girls said, I thought my small group leader was in trouble when you came in our group. <laughs> 
We're like, well, she is, Heather. No. It's not that. It's that we try really hard, just like your small group leaders are supporting and loving you, our job is to support and love those small group leaders, and that's what Barry does so incredibly well. It's, it's crazy. Um, and so they're going to come. You'll see them in your group sometime. You'll see them wandering around. Mary's, you know, usually frantic, and I usually throw her into the lecture, and yeah, so it's good. But if you do um, see them around, that's who they are. Okay. Um, the info sheet. This little piece of paper, a lot of you have seen it before if you've done our Bible studies before. This is a great way for the small group leaders to find out a little bit about you, to pray for you in a way that is, is relevant to your life. Um, take some time and fill this out. I know they're going to have you bring them to small group and turn them into your small group leaders in just a bit. Um, and then again, I went over the poster. You guys just get to keep it and go home and color it or, you know, whatever you want to do with it. All right. I think I got everything before we get to the paper. Now, let's pull out this welcome sheet and look at that, please. How many people have ever been in a class of any kind before where you've learned things before? You guys, come on. Raise your hands. I need class participation. Thank you. I say that because... One of the things that I learned back when I had a real job, way back before um, I did this, well, this is, anyway. Expectations are important, right? You need to know when you're walking into something what to expect. And so what we want to do, and I feel like Women's Ministry at Rock Point does this well, is we want to set an expectation for you so you know exactly what you're stepping into and exactly what we expect of you as well. And so that's where this welcome sheet comes in. We're going to take a look at that real quick, and I'm going to try to get through it quickly because I know a lot of these details you're also going to talk about in your small group. And if you have questions, if I miss things, um, ask your small group leader. That's what she's there for, to be your connection. Okay, so you can ask her. So the first thing um, I want you to know is this. We set guidelines so that we have expectations, but also, and you will hear this preached, and I get up on my soapbox, and I know some of y'all are rolling your eyes. This is the thing about Rock Point Church. We are all here, and there are so many different churches here. So many. It's not a bunch of Rock Point people. It's not a big clique, right? So many different people here that are different churches. So many people here that don't go to church. So many people that maybe don't even live in this community, that don't go to school with your kids, that do things differently, that see things differently. Praise the Lord, right? If it was a bunch of Chris's in here, that would be bad. We want to set this environment up as a safe place where we come together, different people, different backgrounds, different opinions, different tastes, different churches, and we come together and we do what unites us, which is study God's word. There is no wavering on this, right? This is why we're here. And so I want to assure you right now, I'm going I'm to make this commitment, and so our RHPs are as well, and our small group leaders, and you hold us to this, that we want this place to be safe for you, not just safe for this girl who believes a certain this thing in a way that we want it safe for everyone, and so that's what these guidelines are. So take a look with me at the group harmony section. Group harmony. And again, your small group leaders are going to cover some of this, so I'm going to move quick. I want you to know this. Um, we will respect your time. We will respect your time. Your small group leader will be praying on time to start. It will be awkward for her if she prays and she is the only person in the room because, guys, it happens. Don't do that to them. If you can get here on time, get here on time. 
help her, but she's committed to starting on time. With that said, if you're running late, come on. We love late people. We love late people. Don't decide, oh, I'm going to be disruptive or I'm not going to come because just come. Never, ever, ever feel like you have to skip out because you're running behind. Guys, we have lives and things are crazy and we also have grace. Amen? We love you guys. And your small group leader wants you to come. But I'm giving you this commitment. They will begin on time and I will end on time. Sometimes I get a little spazzy about it, but I will end on time because we respect your time. You've given us two hours. We're going to respect it. Um, you can know that with certainty. The second bullet says maintain confidentiality of your group. Sometimes it doesn't seem like we need to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, there are going to be times when you may feel there are going to be wonderful times. Let me start with that, where you guys connect in such a cool way that you're sharing and you're sharing with your group, but there may come a moment where you share and you may look back and go, oh, I can't believe I said that, right? But can I tell you this? We're all going to commit, all of us, that we are going to honor each other in a way where we're going to keep confidentiality a high priority, okay? Because, um, hey, we are women. Anybody in here a woman? See, I'm giving you all these easy opportunities to raise your hand. Okay. I love women. I'm, I'm a one of them. But I also am fully aware that we have these things that um, are our weaknesses. Amen? And sometimes prayer requests can turn into gossip fests. And sometimes things can, the motives can be unclear and uncertain. And I have been in a room where I have seen damage done that the church cannot undo, only God can. So may we not be those people, okay? May we not be those people. Confidentiality is key. We're going to maintain that. Um, always keep information confidential. Avoid discussing it outside the group time. Let me give you an example. I had um, a small group leader. I was over there talking to her, and it was kind of this real serious conversation, and we were kind of deep in conversation. And one of my friends was in her group. And later on, my friend came up to me and goes, did she tell you about my whatever? And she said, and I said, huh? And she goes, well, I'm sure, I figured she probably was, was sharing with you about my prayer request. And I said, sister, that's, she wouldn't do that. We don't do that. And so when you see us walking around, I want you to know this. There's integrity in your small group. There's integrity in your leadership. We don't talk about those things. Unless you have said, I would like you to share it with the leadership team, then we pray about it. But I just want you to have confidence. And I'm saying it with a microphone. So hold us to that. And we're going to hold you to that as well. Okay? Maintain confidentiality. The third bullet is this. Keep your answers during small group on topic and brief. God bless us all, especially those of us that talk a lot, like me. Um, we have very limited time. I'm going to ask you, okay, those small group leaders, they're my people, okay? Please don't make them the bad guys. You've got some people leading small groups that are struggling with this illness called people-pleasing, right? Thank you. I'm also a survivor of that. Uh, don't make them the bad guys. There are times when you may feel like the Holy Spirit is like, oh, girl, you better share this because somebody needs to hear it. And that is cool. Put a star by that one. But sometimes maybe the Holy Spirit told somebody else to say something. And sometimes maybe if we don't leave a little white space, a little empty time, then that person that's just trying to conjure up the courage to say one word may not have a chance. So let's just try to remember a lot of times small group time 
may be for you less about sharing one week and more about getting what God wants to show you. So try your hardest to keep that balance. And those of you that are really quiet, I love you. And we love that you're there. And if you don't feel, we're not going to call on you. If you don't feel led to answer, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you what, we're going to pray really hard that God gives you the courage. Because sometimes what you've said and what you've written might be what this girl next to you really needs. So sometimes trust the Holy Spirit and just let him lead. The, uh, I don't know how many it has been. Respect each other at all times. That's the next bullet. Um, and that kind of goes without saying. We've kind of said that in a couple of different ways. But I want to tell you this. Um, there is a typo there. You see the second sentence that says, in addition, if someone has a differing point of view, you can mark out if and you can write when. Did anybody do first and second and third John? Yeah, there was some tense moments there. I will tell you this, when someone has a differing point of view, a different interpretation, avoid arguing and avoid the I need to be right stance. We talked about it and I'm sure it'll come up again. There are ways to look at the way we approach God's word and I'll tell you this, there is taste, there are teachings, and there are tenets. And the tenets of our beliefs are the non-negotiables. That Jesus Christ is the one and only Son of God, and he came to earth to live and to die. And on the third day, he was resurrected and came and walked among the people, talked to some of them, hung out, and then he went up to heaven, didn't he? And where is he now? He's at the right hand of God. Non-negotiables. We will not negotiate that. Other things, there's, there's, there's some room for interpretation. So I want to challenge you, when you sit in that small group... You do not all think the same. Take that into account when you speak and be sensitive to that. Okay? We cool? All right. Um, The last bullet item on this front page or on this first section says this says bring questions, concerns um, directly to your small group leader. She's going to be your lifeline. And like I said, um, they're my people. And us RHPs and me, we, we get a little, we love our people. Please help them. Help them. Don't make them the bad guys. Their jobs, let me explain to you what their jobs are if you've never been in a Bible study at Rock Point Church, is those small group leaders that are in your group, you know what they are not? They are not teachers. They're not teachers. That's not their job. They are fellow learners. And they're walking with you learning the same thing. They're facilitators. They're going to facilitate the questions. I mean, somebody's got to keep us on track, right? Or Again, who's a woman? Yeah, we'll be here all day, friends. So thank you for them. But please remember that. Don't put them in a position of, of expecting them to teach because that's not the role that God's called them to. Um, be a helper. Be a helper to them. They will shepherd you. And what shepherding means is they will love you and they will pray for you and they will guide. Okay? And I can tell you this right now, and I, you guys know me. I get cryy all the time. But I will tell you this. Every name has been prayed over. Every name is prayed over. Even if you don't share prayer requests, I got news for you. They're going to pray for you. And you know what we joked about in small group time and in our leader time? We were like, hey, wouldn't, yeah, if people don't fill out prayer requests, then I guess we just pray that God will show, help them learn to be patient. You know what happens when you pray for patience? You don't want that, guys. No. They love you. They love you. You can't pray for somebody and not grow to love them. So know that when you walk into those classrooms, whoever you are, wherever you come from, whatever you believe, whatever you know, whatever you don't know, you're already loved, okay, by your small group leaders. 
And I've given him permission to throw stuff, which is the next section. Okay. Safe environment. All right. Seriously, you guys know me. Half of you could probably just get up here and say this part. But you know this is Rock Point Church, and so we're doing this. We have many ladies with different points, different backgrounds, different points of view, different perspectives, different educations, different theological stances. And our number one goal is to provide a safe environment to study God's word. Okay? We're not here to debate whether or not creation actually was a physical six days. Okay? We're not going to do it. I don't really care what you think. I mean, I care. I don't really care. <laughs> don't really care. But to achieve this goal, here's what we're going to do. There are things we are not talking about in here unless it comes up in the scripture, unless it comes up in Hebrews, okay? Donald Trump is not coming up in Hebrews. I'm a promise. I'm a promise every one of you. That's a promise. Don't make any comments under your breath. I can see every one of you. No, we're not going to talk about politics. We're not doing it. It's divisive. This is not the place for that. We're not going to talk about divorce or marriage. Look, here's the thing. Some of us are married. Some of us are divorced. Some of us haven't been there yet. And, and this is what I want you to remember. This is not about, I don't want to hear about your husband and your kids. This is about, I want to hear about you. I want to know what God's teaching you about you. They're all cool and we love them and we'll pray for them. But guys, let's keep this place about what God is doing in the lives of the women in this room. Amen? Okay. We're not going to talk about denominations. I will say this and I will say this with love slash no, I'll just love. Some of us, okay, let me, let me put it this way. I'm going to give you another opportunity to ask a question. How many of you grew up in Rock Point Church from the time you were a child? Yeah, because it like, didn't exist, so that's the deal. So all of you have backgrounds where you either grew up in a different church or a no church. Am I right? Can we agree on that? Some of you have pain. Some of you have walked in dark places with your background. But can I, can I challenge you with this thought? The church that you grew up in that caused you a lot of pain, that maybe it took you all the courage in the world to walk back into this one today, might be the church that taught someone else who Jesus Christ is. So your history and your past, don't let it define you. And certainly don't let it bleed over into the life of the girl in the chair next to you. Because guys... God has a plan and a story for every single chair. And sometimes when I walk into a small group and I answer a question and I talk about how church ABC destroyed my life and they didn't know anything about Jesus and everybody was terrible and all that stuff, the girl that maybe barely got out of bed today to get here, you may have just broken her and she may never come back. And so when we say these things, we joke, but it is no joke we all have histories, and we all have been hurt, and we all are here for a reason. So let's try so hard to be sensitive to that. Are we cool? Horse sufficiently beaten. I always have to apologize to the Pace kids. Not Esther, because you speak English very well. But <laughs> Oh, good. Because some of these Pace kiddos that go to different, they're looking at me like, Horse beaten? What? I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm talking. I do that. So just come talk to me later. We'll talk. We will not talk about other divisive topics like homosexuality or just any of those hot button topics, those social topics that we all like to get into arguments on Facebook when we're sitting behind a keyboard in our pajamas. Not doing it here, okay? Um, this is a safe environment. Diversity makes us better. We just, we repeat that after. 
Diversity makes us better. Okay, are we cool? Okay, we're good. All right, turn it over on the back, and I'm not gonna, you guys can read. The daily class schedule is the way it'll look most weeks. If there's ever a change, like this week, we met in small group, I mean large group first, so that's weird, right? Your small group leaders will tell you if there's ever something weird gonna happen. Um, We don't expect that very often. I will say this, um, I ask you with love in my heart um, to be in here on time. Your small group leaders have been instructed to do this. You know what they're instructed to do? We're gonna close in prayer, we're gonna walk and talk, we're gonna walk and talk. Because it's going to be so tempting as the weeks go on because you're going to get to know some of these people and your, your hearts are going to weave together and it's going to be so fun and you're going to want to talk and hang out and sit in those chairs and talk. And Nicole will be in here starting worship with me alone and I don't sing. Um, I, I want to ask you to remember the same thing I said before. You may not feel like worship is maybe for you, but it is for other people. And for some people, for some of us, amen, I need my heart to get right. And that is the way that God gets my heart right. So will you be respectful of that? And when you're walking over from your small group, will you get in here on time? And will you also, let me ask you this too. Sometimes things happen and we get in late. Um, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna ask you, I'm gonna tell you this. When you walk in this door, if there is someone up here speaking announcements, like Lindsay, which again, you're not gonna wanna miss that because give Lindsay a microphone, it's worth it. Or Nicole or me. If there's somebody up here, will you just respectfully be quiet, find a seat quietly. Just remember there are other people here um, who, are, who are listening and want to be involved in worship. It's hard. Again, we're women. I might have said that before, but it's a thing. All right. Uh, weekly class schedule. The couple things I do want to point out. I want you to notice the week that says spring break. I'm pretty sure that's right. You know, okay, cool. LISD, Louisville Independent School District, is what we follow because that's what school district is here at our church. If your kiddos are in a different um, spring break, like I said, email Margo and say, hey, you know, my spring break is on the 1st, and um, I really don't want to miss class. And I promise you guys she will do everything. And it's pretty shocking how well they're able to accommodate homeschool kids, big kids. So just um, don't give up because I will tell you this. That spring break time, that's hard because we miss a whole week. And sometimes it's easy when you miss a week to just go, well, there's only a couple weeks. I mean, nobody will notice. And that's what Satan does, is he lies to you. And he tells you, eh, nobody will notice when you're gone. doesn't really matter. You don't have to come back. There's really nothing else to study. Can I just ask you now to just put a star right there and say, I'm coming back. We're going to finish strong. Okay? So that's, that's um, that with the schedule about got everything on the welcome sheet. Again, if you have questions in your small group time, ask your small group leader. They know a lot more stuff than I do. I'm not, I'm not too, too smart on some of this. Okay, um, with that said, we're going to go real quickly into the page with the little I, and it's the foreword. It should be the very second page um, in your workbooks. Oh, before you do anything, get a pen and write your name inside your book. There is nothing that makes me want to cry more than seeing a book with all this homework done and nobody's name. And I'm like, somebody did all this work and it's lost. So write your name in your book. I would highly recommend writing your small group leader's name in there too. Um, But that's your choice. All right. Everybody on that first page with the little I? It's the foreword. Before we begin, I want to tell you this is a study that um, was written by Jen Wilkin. I didn't write this one. So 
that's fun because none of y'all can look at me like I know stuff. Because I don't. I'm, I'm doing it with you. I'm learning right along with you. Um, I will tell you this. At Rock Point Church, the women's ministry, our Bible studies, we have two objectives when we walk in this room. And this is some objectives I want you to understand that you're going to walk out with. I want you to know this is what our hope is for you. Okay? Our hope is not that you have this amazing biblical grasp of um, Hebrews and all of a sudden it's on some level with going to, you know, seminary, okay? That's not what this is going to be. Here's what our hope is for you. Our hope is this, that by studying the book of Hebrews along with these women, that you're going to come to know God in a deeper way, Okay? That's what we want for you. We want you to come to know God in a deeper way. The second thing that we really, really, really pray over is that you're going to understand this. And if you hear nothing else, well, I hope you hear some other stuff. But if you hear nothing else, can I just ask you to just hear me, no matter what your background is. No matter if your Bible has been studied a thousand times and you, you know every book of the Bible in order and you never use a table of contents. Goody for you. I'm so happy. Or if this is the first Bible you've ever had. And it's crisp and there's no writing. Can I just tell you this? This is for you. Do you know that? God's word is not for the girl next to you or the girl that knows more than you or the girl that has this experience or this. This is for you. It's for me. Every single word. It's not like you get to Leviticus and it's like, oh, this part's not for Chris. You can skip this part. Unfortunately, Leviticus. Yeah. Every word is for you. And so our hope is that you're going to understand you don't need a middleman. Amen? You don't need a middleman. You have Jesus Christ who stands at the throne right now and says, Oh, Chris, come on, you can do it. You can do it. You can read Hebrews. You don't need a middleman. Middlemen are great. They are. But I promise you this. God left these words for you, and you are going to be just fine without having somebody spoon feed you what it means. It's going to be just fine. Okay? All right, those are our two, those are our two objectives at this church. Um, we're going to breeze through quickly. This first part that says our purpose, I want you to kind of, you can read when you get back home, but I want to tell you this, this Bible study is not topic driven. We are studying a book of the Bible. With that said, it's kind of cool. We're going to have a lot of topics. We're going to have a lot of cool themes and things that they're going to come up, but we're not talking about patience and jumping all over the Bible and cherry picking things. We're looking at God's word the way it was intended to be read, Okay. We're going to read it in one big chunk. And here's the other thing I want you to know, and you'll hear this a lot. I'm going to ask you, let's see who all remembers. Who is this about? Thank you. It is about God. I love you, and, I, and you're in here. You got some stuff. You're in here some. But this is about God. And so we're going to study it that way. We're going to understand who God is, and we're going to ask what does this have to say about who God is? And through that, you're going to learn about you, okay? So I'm going to challenge you not to approach this like, okay, what does God want to tell me about Chris today? Because he wants to tell you about who he is, okay? So the purpose, if you look down at the third paragraph, it starts with you see. You see the Bible is not a book about self-discovery. Look at each other and say this is not about self-discovery. Thank you. Not a self-help class, guys. You might be in the wrong room. Go ahead. Anyone? All right, good. Cool. We're in the right place. It's a book about God discovery. The Bible is God's declared intent to make himself known to us. Did you hear that? Remember I said every word is for you? Every word is for you, Abby, Joanna, Mary, Shelley, Chris, Jessica. It's for you. And he wants to make himself known to you. Every word. 
In learning about the character of God in Scripture, we will experience self-discovery. It's like a byproduct. It's like an extra. It's like a bonus. But it will not be the focus of our study. The focus must be God himself. Guys, um, I'll tell you this. If you are here, God divinely appointed you to be here. And you know what that means? You can do this. He never is going to command you to do something that he is not going to equip you to do. He will not do that. That is not our God. He's not a tricker. He didn't trick you into doing stuff and then leave you there without him. Because there's going to come times where we're going to dwell in the what? Dwell in the I don't know. If you've been in this Bible studies before, you know that I stole that from Jen Wilkin. And it's like my favorite thing. I think we need a t-shirt that says we're going to dwell in the I don't know. Because there's going to come a lot of questions where you're going to go, I just don't know. And that's awesome. Be there. Live in it. Stay there. Because if you don't know, what does that mean? Maybe you got something to learn. Turn the page. The next thing we're going to talk about is the comprehension, the interpretation, and the application. When you hit this Bible study, um, I want you to know this. I'm going to put it and dumb it down big time. Here's what you're going to do. Your homework mostly is going to lead you to read a portion of Scripture. And then basically the questions are going to lead you to ask, what does it even say? And I don't mean like come up with all these underlying meanings and things and what is it? How about just what does it say? You know, that's what was cool about 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. We, we, we looked at it and we're like, oh, these letters, these letters. And then, and then all of a sudden I think one of the questions was, you know, you know who, who wrote this? And it's like, oh, well, John wrote it. And it's like we didn't have to dig deep. There was just sometimes it's real obvious. It's like, well, just what does it say? The second question you're going to ask yourself, and mostly when you're doing your homework, you're going to answer these kinds of questions, is what does it even mean? Okay, we talked about what it says. Now what does it mean? Okay, we're going to dig into that. God created, she uses the example of, of creation. For example, when you read it in Genesis, you read that it says that um, God created in six days, right? And on the seventh day, he did what? Seventh day, he did what? Yeah, that's like the best part of the whole thing, guys. You need to pay attention to that day, right? We need that. So we, we read what it says when we study it, but then what does that mean? And so Jen gives a great example here, and she says, you know, a person can interpret the creation story. They can tell you why God created in a particular order. And so all of a sudden they're like, okay, it's in here, so what does it even mean, and why do I even need to know it? That's the second part. And then the third part is like the application, and that's what we earn, okay? You earn the application. I think so often we like to shortcut, right? We like to just get right to it. It's like, I don't really want to read all that in Genesis. I know there's six days and then there's the rest. And So what does it mean to me? And that's skipping the parts that God intends. He wrote it, inspired it through these writers for a reason, for a purpose. He wants us to read it and understand it. And then we get to earn the application and what it means to our lives. Make sense? All right. I know it went by quickly, but I want you to take, when you get some time, um, read through that because it'll give you a good understanding of where we're going in this Bible study. The guidelines um, that everybody loves the most are on the third little I. The favoritest part that everybody always loves is that I'm going to ask you this. I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to tell you. Avoid commentaries. Look at each other and say, avoid commentaries. That's good, guys. Good job. And you know what commentaries are? Commentaries are this. Commentaries are, oh, I'm studying Hebrews 2 today, so I'm going to go online on my podcast, and I'm going to search out every podcast that someone has taught that I love about Second Hebrews chapter 2. Because you know what? This thing that I'm doing right here, you know what it is? It's commentary. 
You know what um, it is when, um, when Jen Wilkin teaches it? It's commentary. You know what it is when Matt Chandler or Ron Holton or, or, or Tommy Nelson teaches it? It's commentary. It's a man's interpretation of what God's saying. And so while those are all fantastic, I'm going to lovingly um, tell you, don't do that before you take a stab at it. Let God show you what he wants to show you, not what he showed Tommy Nelson. And not what he showed Chris Murphy, because there's a reason the order is what it is. There's a reason we go home and do the homework, and then we go to small group and we talk about it, all the different perspectives. And then you come in here, because what if we did this first? It'd be super tempting for you to all of a sudden adopt the same point of view that I have, when really maybe God wasn't telling you that. So commentaries are not always just a big, giant, thick book by some brilliant theologian. Sometimes they're people's opinions. Sometimes, who has fancy cute Bibles with notes in the bottom? Who does? You're all lying. You do. I see them. They're fat and they're big. Sometimes Bibles, so cool. I have so many commentary Bibles. You would laugh. It's, it's funny. All the Bible stuff is up here and then underneath here, it's all these cool notes, life application notes. I have an apologetics one that's so smart. But it's all opinions. It's all opinions. So you know what I do? You know, and have y'all noticed I don't have the pink Bible? I've got a new one, and it says I left tacos on it. That's a special order. You have to buy it separate. Um, But I go out, and I get a Bible that has no notes in it because I am not disciplined enough to ignore them. Amen? And so I read this nice, clean version that has nobody's notes but Chris's. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't already have one of these, um, consider that. Because it really will change the way you study God's word. Because there are some people that I love their opinions. And if they start telling me something about the second chapter of Hebrews, all of a sudden I quit worrying about what Chris thinks about the second chapter of Hebrews. And I worry about what Beth Moore says. Okay? No commentaries. The second is um, the Bible without notes. That's, again, those are commentaries. So try to avoid those. But what you can use... Our cross-references, you know, a lot of our Bibles have little things where it says like, oh, you know, you're looking at this, now go look at this scripture. Look at anything in God's word, for sure, if that's going to help. Dictionaries, oftentimes in Jen's Bible studies, she'll have us look things up, right? Either synonyms or um, even sometimes the opposite of words, and it's really helpful. So I have a dictionary app on my phone, that's pretty easy. Other translations of the Bible awesome ways to kind of, because, oh man, there's so many times. I study in the ESV, and that's what we're going to use in here. So, in fact, in a minute, I'm going to have you flip to the back. I can't remember what page it is. In the very back, she has the whole, on page 85, you can go there if you want to. She has the entire um, book of Hebrews back there, because she's going to have us doing all kinds of cool little underlining and colors and drawing and, I don't know, all kinds of stuff. And so it's there with you. So if you're at the car wash and you forget to bring your Bible, guess what? Yay, you have it right there with you. Um, But I want to encourage you, if there's a time when you read it in this ESV or whatever version you have in your in your lap there, and it just doesn't really jive, you don't really make sense, man, go look at it in other translations. It is so crazy how those are um, word for word translations from the original, but sometimes they update those words and the phraseology, right, so that we can understand them. It's not that NIV is less accurate than an ESV. It just means sometimes they phrase it differently, and that may be just the one thing that you needed to go, oh, yeah, okay. Um, I will encourage you, too. I know um, we don't want to have, like, paraphrases like the message or the living or the new living as your primary source of study. 
I use the message and New Living all the time to supplement the ESV. Okay, all that means is like the message is in modern terms, but really it's a, it's a paraphrase. So like we want to stick to these versions for our primary study that have word for word translations that where we really don't lose anything in the um, translation. Does that make sense? Okay. And I love all those Bible apps. Guys, it's so cool. Like now on my computer, like I crack up when I'm doing these studies. And I'll tell you about something about Hebrews. So, and I want to see it. I'm looking. I'm doing a roll call in my head. Every one of you come back next week. But I'll tell you something about Hebrews. We're going to be flipping around a lot. Hebrews is going to have us jump into the Old Testament a lot. It's awesome. But something I've noticed that really helps me move quickly is I'll pull up um, Bible Gateway or some of those other Bible apps on my, on my computer and I'll set up panels. So I'll set up Hebrews chapter 2 right here. Oh, we're going to go to Leviticus. Okay, right here. Oh, I'm going to go. And I just have them all set up right there and it's real quick. So those Bible apps are awesome, especially if you're short on time. So I recommend that. Um, a printed copy of the text, like I said, is in the back, double-spaced, so that you can mark things, you can take notes. It's awesome. If you haven't gotten in the habit yet of, like, annotating your stuff when you read it, some people get real weird and they don't want to write in their Bibles. That's awesome. Now you have one that you can write in. Take notes. Um, and she'll instruct us on a lot of that, too, and it's kind of funny. Um, so get colored pencils and a pencil sharpener. Highly recommend. All right, well, before we move on, I want to say this, and I love how she phrases it here on this bottom of this page. She talks about storing up treasures, and I've talked about it before. You know, sometimes you may get into this, and some of us had this happen. I think I even confessed this during 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, where you're studying something, and you're like, God, I don't really think this is for me. Like, I don't think I'm supposed to read 2nd John because it's just doing nothing for me. It happens. There's going to come weeks where you're like, I don't get it. I don't know who this is for or what this is. But may I, may I lovingly encourage you this, that every single time you open God's word, he's going to do something. Maybe this week is not for you about learning something that's going to have this huge lightning bulb for you. But maybe in six months you're going to go, oh, oh yeah, that mattered. So these are storing up treasures. And that's from Jesus. He wants us to store up treasures so that we have them. And that's what studying God's word is. You're going to dwell on the I don't know sometimes. And sometimes you're going to walk out of here with a big question mark over your head and it's just going to stay there. And that's okay too. Anybody in church this Sunday at Rock Point and get to hear Dr. Smith? Girls, he taught about Hebrews 11. Right? That was just one of those God things. It was a moment where I went, oh, of course you're going to do this, God. And that's what he does. You're going to see Hebrews crop up all over the place. It's going to blow your mind. You're going to all of a sudden study a truth, and then God's going to show it to you at Target. And it's going to be like, whoa, God is at Target? He so is. Know this. Sometimes we store up those treasures and sometimes he chooses these crazy weird ways to reveal them to us and that is all who he is. He is a God of showing off and surprising us and doing big giant things that we can't even imagine. Amen? With that said, we're going to talk about Hebrews. So let's do that. Let's go to page three in your workbook. And it's nice and clean and ready for you to take notes for a few minutes. We talked earlier about how critical it is to understand 
God's word, when you look at it, you got to understand what it says. And you know, it took me years to get this, to understand that like, if I'm going to study the book of Hebrews, it really pays to understand who wrote it, why they wrote it, when they wrote it, what was happening, right? It just seems logical now that I'm a grown up. But truly, I studied so many different books of the Bible without ever doing that background. And so now I look at it all differently. There's not a book of the Bible that I approach without first having an understanding. And so that's what we're doing today. And may I tell you this? Um, I even prayed this this morning with our group. A lot of times we tend to try to make this not an important part. Um, But it's so critical to understanding. I learned so much in preparation for this study about Hebrews. And I've read Hebrews a bunch of times. I'm like, oh, no wonder. Makes more sense now. So stay with me and understand that this matters, okay, as we launch into studying the book of Hebrews. So with that said, you're going to open up to that page. What did I say it was? Page 8, page 5, something like that. And if you have your Bibles, open it up to that clean white section, Hebrews. And the funny thing is, I'll tell you, um, you know the reason I had to get a new Bible? is because I had two separate dog episodes where the dogs tore books of the Bible out of my other pink Bible. And so the entire time that I was teaching 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Psalms, my Bible had no Hebrews. So there. Yeah, it's true. And part of James was also in her tummy. But I felt like it was important that I have it in my Bible now. So I do. I got a new Bible. So that's that. All right. Well, we're going to look at those questions. We're going to hit them pretty quickly, and then we're going to dismiss to your small group. We're going to start with this. Who wrote the book of Hebrews? Who wrote the book of Hebrews? The ancient title, when they trace back, when they found the first manuscript, there's an ancient title for the book of Hebrews. And you know what it was? You may want to write this down. It was called this, Two Hebrews. It's very, yeah, it's pretty detailed. And you know what it told us about who wrote it? It told us nothing. Tell us nothing. Um, there was this great um, church, early church father named Origen, and you know he has this famous quote, and his quote was this: "Only God knows who wrote Hebrews, and that's the truth. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. It's anonymous, it's unknown. But what I find so cool, how about this? The book of Hebrews is absolutely the book of the Bible that points to Jesus Christ alone more than any other book of the Bible. How fitting is it that we have no idea who wrote it? We have no idea. No glory to the author. Some people say it was Peter and Paul and Apollos and all these different teachers, early church leaders, but nothing has been definitively defined. So we just say we don't know. So that's kind of cool. There you go. We don't know who wrote it. What do we know about the author? Here's what we do know. We know this. We know that this book was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We do know that. We know that this writer was a second-generation believer and teacher, meaning he didn't have firsthand experience with Jesus. He came to know Jesus through these um, missionaries that came after the first church was established. Okay, And we'll go into a little more timing in a minute, but that's pretty fascinating because, guys, we relate. Right? We haven't had that firsthand. We didn't get to be there and touch his cloak and watch him teach and watch him heal and do the things. So neither did this author. So that's kind of interesting. He um, knows the Old Testament and claims the inheritance of sacred history and tradition. You know what that means? He's probably a Greek-speaking Jew. He has a complete understanding of the Old Testament, which, oddly enough, because God's cool, we just started in this church, we just started going through the Torah 
first five books of the Bible. And so I find that so interesting that like this writer was well-versed in all of those traditions and all of those rituals that came with being a good Jew. Okay. Um, we do know, this is interesting, that this author used Greek. That was the original language that this was, this was written in. He used Greek in a, quote, purity of style and strong vocabulary. And so it's thought that, um, unlike any other New Testament document, that this writer was a thinker and an eloquent teacher. Kind of neat. Um, he was probably known well by his audience. In, in chapter 6 and in chapter 13, we see references to the audience knowing who this, who this writer was. But we don't know, oddly enough. Um, the second question, when was it written? Um, this is what I find so cool. When you're real nerdy like me and you go dig around, and now I, I welcome you to go dig around a little bit and do some research on your own, but there's a common thought that this was probably written between 60 and 70 AD. They've kind of landed on about 65, and here's why. It's kind of cool, because when you, when you really read how they break it apart and figure it out, it's really nerdy. Um, we see in the book of Hebrews that we'll hear about temple sacrifices happening in the present tense. So while this, this writer is talking about temple sacrifices, they're, they're happening. And so what that means is something big happened in 70 AD. Does anybody know? Any Bible nerds know? Temple was destroyed. So when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, the temple sacrifices stopped. So if we're seeing the writer talk about them as though they're still happening, it had to happen before the temple was destroyed. Okay, so that's that we know it's before 70 AD. And then we also know that it was after the ascension of Christ. The ascension of Christ was roughly AD 30. Okay, and so like chapter 5, we see the evidences of this author rebuking the readers because he's saying, Hey guys, um, enough time has passed. You guys should be getting it together by now. You know these things and you've learned these things. And, and so it's kind of funny because he's kind of calling them out. He's saying, You should have been more mature by now. And so it's thought to believe that, um, that this is probably second-generation readers as well. Nobody has had firsthand knowledge of Jesus. They've heard about it through the missionaries that went out, right? The, the apostles that went out and spread the word. They were going out about seven years or so, these missionaries, after the church, the first church was formed. So a lot of the really smart Bible people kind of place it around that 65 AD. That's where they come up with that number. All right, the next question is to whom was it written? Who has a guess? You guys are so smart. Hebrews. Remember that first thing I gave it away? It was, used to be called two Hebrews. Hey, cool, awesome. Um, it was written to a single Hebrew congregation, okay? And they were clearly, if you've read the book of Hebrews, they were clearly undergoing significant persecution. Something that's interesting, too, about this time period, the persecution that was happening was happening really from two, two parts. It was happening from the Roman government and the Romans that were ruling the day, but it was also happening from Jews, they didn't like these Jewish people being converted into Christianity, did they? They didn't like it. So they were persecuting, and also the Roman government who was watching this movement. And what is always makes governments nervous is when there's these big movements and power starts happening, right? And so they were persecuted by these two different groups. Um, the other thing that was interesting is that um, th there was no mention 
of Gentile and Jew conflict. Sometimes in letters, you'll see that maybe it was written to an audience of Gentiles, which those were not Jewish people, right? Those were not the people of God, the Israeli, Israelite people from way back in the Old Testament. The Gentiles are like us, okay? They're like these extras that come in later. We get grafted in. There's no talk of conflict. So sometimes when things are written during that period, there'll be a reference to that conflict that goes on. And Paul writes a lot about that, about the conflict of of bringing this Christianity to the Gentile nation and also to the Hebrew nation. So there's no, no talk of that. So we really believe that it's only Hebrews. But you know what's really interesting? And I didn't know this. That there is a, a belief that there were three groups of people that were actually being written to in this letter. All Hebrews, but three separate groups, okay? Which helps us understand this book better. There are going to come times in this where there are um, controversial passages, Okay, And if you don't understand and really get this, that there are three different groups of people reading this, then it may get real confusing. So let's just lay it out right now. The first group is this. It's, it's the Hebrew Christians. Hebrew Christians. And what I mean by that is these are guys that grew up in the, in, the, in, the, in the Jewish faith, right? They did all that stuff back in the Old Testament, all that ritual stuff. And all, Leviticus is kind of like tells you all these things that they did. But then they converted to Christianity when Jesus Christ came, okay? These Hebrew Christians, they lacked a full confidence in the gospel because think about this. Think about this for a second. For hundreds of years, for hundreds of years, there's been this tradition about this is the way we do the God thing. And that's the life that they lived. They lived that life from the time they were born, their ancestors, from the time they were born, we do this and we sacrifice this way and we go to the temple for this and we have these festivals and we do it this way and this is how we pray this and we say this and we, right? They had all these requirements and now all of a sudden there's this new covenant. It's very confusing and it's hard and and understandably the writer is trying to make, help them understand how to marry that old covenant that they grew up with that was so precious with this new covenant of Jesus Christ, and it's, it's challenging to them, right? So they lack a full understanding and a full confidence, but they are believers, okay? There's a danger there of them falling back into what's comfortable. Anybody, anybody ever had that happen? As a believer today, is there ever a danger that you fall back into what's comfortable, what you know? Yeah, it happens all the time, Right? Because I know that this is good. I know that it's raining outside and it feels really good to stay in my pajamas in front of the fireplace and chill out. But it's better to get my shoes on and go to Bible study and read God's word. But sometimes I want to go back to what's good. And that's what these Hebrew Christians were battling. They were trying to deal with what we know and what's comfortable and going back to it versus what's new. And it's just hard. Okay, so that's where they were. Um, There was no danger of losing their salvation. Do you hear me? Everybody hear me. This is important. Once you have accepted Jesus Christ as as your personal Savior, there is no danger of losing that salvation. Zero. Jesus died for every sin. Every sin. There's not one that undoes that. Okay? So they're not in danger of losing their salvation, but they were in danger of having a weakened faith or a weakened testimony. Right? We, We battle the same thing, don't we? The second group were the Hebrew non-Christians, but they were intellectually convinced. Hebrew non-Christians who were intellectually 
convinced. What does that mean? Here's what that means. The author is aware that within this community of believers, the Hebrew Christians, that there are non-believers that maybe go, okay, yeah, I get the Jesus thing. Yeah, that's cool. I'm good with that. But they haven't accepted him as their savior. Do we have that same gathering of people in our churches today? Yes is the answer. There is not one church that you can sit and guarantee every single chair has accepted Jesus as their Savior. They may understand and they may believe who he is. Let me give you something else to blow your mind for just a minute. You know who else has a full understanding but is not a Christian? Who believes who Jesus was and what he did and that it was true but doesn't really commit to being saved by the person of Jesus Christ? Satan believes who Jesus is. You can sit right there in that church. You can sit right there and hear all of this and go, yeah, that Jesus guy. I got it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in. And not give your heart to him. That's who these people were. So what these people, the, the danger with these people was this, that this, excuse me, this greatest sin that we can ever sin against God is rejecting Jesus. And that's the danger these people are in. They're sitting in the pews next to their buddies, listening, writing it down, and going home and rejecting Jesus. Lots of controversial passages that we will hit in the book of Hebrews were written to these people. Okay? The third group was this. They were Hebrews, but they were non-Christians. So all three of these groups of people have this Hebrew-Jewish background. Got it? We have the Christians, we have those who intellectually convinced who Jesus was, but not committed their heart to him. And then we have this last group, they are non-Christians, but they are Hebrews. They are seekers. We evangelicals like to use that little term. They're coming to church trying to figure it out. Think about it for just a minute. Like this is what kind of blew my mind was this is the modern church, guys. We may not have a Hebrew history, but we certainly sit in a sanctuary at our churches with the same three groups of people, do we not? People that might be convinced but haven't fully committed. People that fully have committed to Jesus Christ as their salvation. And then the people that are not Christians and they're just trying to figure stuff out. So when you hear this, know this. You may hear some of this talk about rituals and about things that um, all these um, Hebrews did. But instead of looking at it like a literal oh, well, I've never, um, you know, I've never gone to that festival. I've never prayed that prayer, and I've never had to do those sacrifices. But you know what we do instead? We do here now in the modern church. We have little G gods, don't we? We have little G gods that we hang on to. We have traditions that we don't want to let go for the sake of Jesus. We want them to coexist together, right? We have the same struggles that these groups of people have. And so... What I found so crazy was this is more applicable than I ever imagined. Three different people. And what style was it written is the next question. Yes. Did not. Did not believe. Thank you, Evelyn. Her question was the third group of people, were they believers? Did they believe? They did not. That may have been ignorance. They may not have known yet, but they were in a congregation of believers and they were sitting there and they did not believe Jesus was the son of God. 
part of what we study in Hebrews, you're going to see, you're going to know, you're going to go, oh, he's talking to those people because he's going to reiterate some basic understandings about who Jesus is. And we're going to think, oh, well, we, if I'm a Christian, I already know that. Well, hey, guy, he's not talking to you right now. He's talking about group three. You follow? Three different groups of people that at different times we're going to hear different things to them. What style was it written? A letter. Dear so-and-so, love so-and-so. That's what this is. This letter was probably, probably read out loud to the congregation. And something else I want you to take note of before we get out of here is this. When you hear the word epistle, anybody remember what that means? Fancy word for letter, okay? We studied 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. They were epistles. Sometimes you'll hear Hebrews called the epistle of Hebrews. That's a letter. That's all that means. It was a, when you think of the word letter, it's really what that is. It's a guy writing some stuff to some people. That's what that is. When you think about the Gospels and other books of the Bible, here's what you can know too. They're going to look real different than letters because a letter usually has a specific theme or a very direct purpose, right? It's like when you sit down to write a thank you note for Christmas. By the way, sorry guys, I haven't done those yet. So thank you for those of you that I still owe you a thank you note. I have a very specific purpose, right? I'm writing this person to thank them for something they did or a gift they gave. I'm not writing them with the story of my life. Once upon a time, in 1989, I was born. It's not funny. It's waiting. I'm watching. I took note of who laughed. But you know what I'm saying? Like the, When you think about the Gospels, there's this giant story being unfolded, and it's massive. But these epistles, these letters, are very specific very focused. And so it's important for us to understand it. Don't hold Hebrews up next to Matthew. They're two different purposes. Do they marry together? Oh yeah, it's cool. Okay, but this letter has a very specific and very definite purpose. Gospels are all encompassing. Okay, um, the last thing. What is the central theme of this letter? Several books in the New Testament stress Christ's death, right? But the book of Hebrews is especially known for its emphasis on the doctrine of Christ as both high priest and the sacrificial offering for sin. Hebrews is unique. It's different. What it's going to teach us is it's going to teach us that these, what's fascinating, and I'm going to talk really fast, guys. But what's fascinating about the book of Hebrews is if you look, a lot of times you'll see these commentaries say, well, if you understand the book of Leviticus, you'll understand Hebrews. How many of us understand the book of Leviticus? Right. See? No. Here's the deal, though. You're going to. You know why? Because Hebrews is basically saying the book of Leviticus is like, um, it's basically like this religious outlaying of what the Hebrew nation was supposed to follow. It tells them all the rules. It tells them all the stuff. Okay? It's like their little handbook. But Hebrews comes along and goes, hey, guys. You know all that stuff that you carry around with you that's so important? Jesus came to, to put all that stuff away. And these Hebrews are like going, what? Like that's what we know and we know how to do that. And all of a sudden Hebrews is going to say, yeah, remember when you did that? Well, that doesn't mean that anymore. Remember when you did that? Well, that doesn't mean that anymore. Remember when you, and so that's what's going to be so cool. It's like we're going to get super smart, like Old Testament smart and New Testament smart, whether we like it or not. The central theme of this letter, though, is to say all that stuff in Leviticus, Jesus is better. All of it. That was good. He is better. 
And so I will say this in closing, we are going to walk through this place, through this amazing letter, through all these twists and turns, and we're going to learn about the God of Mount Sinai, Leviticus, and we're going to learn that he's the same God as the God of Mount Zion. And it's going to be so cool. So give up the good, the old ways, and let's reach for the better. Okay? And that's what we're going to do in the book of Hebrews. So let me pray. And then we're going to be dismissed to our small groups. And we're going to run like fast. Run fast. Okay. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for um, what you're preparing to do in the book of Hebrews, God. Will you be with us as we walk um, through this book together, God? Give us courage. Give us understanding. And above all, will you just have the Holy Spirit just come down on us today. In Jesus' name, amen.